Oh, I I don't know that it's a secret, but for me, there's just there's just like no ceiling. Like, and I think that's actually what I learned from Tokyo. It's like, you know, one year I was like running thirteen three and not like just scraping into the national final, and then a couple of years later, I'm on the start line in the semi-final in the best shape of my life. So if I can do that in that short amount of time, there's just no ceiling to what I can achieve next. And I think I really want to, you know, get to the end of my career and say I achieved absolutely everything I could in that time period. I didn't leave any stone unturned. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share inspiring conversations to help you live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebilagen. There's something about hurdler Liz Clay. In the last year, she's become the second fastest Australian hurdler of all time and had an undefeated domestic season, finishing in the Olympic top 10. Yet she says she's not a natural-born sprinter. So what is it? What's made her such an unstoppable force in the sporting world? The answer? Unshakable self-belief. Which, weirdly, is the kind of confidence we don't hear women talk about a lot. And it's why we're featuring Liz as another bonus episode to celebrate the week of International Women's Day. From her incredible rise to the peak of Australian athletics, her sporting performances and her snappy social captions, Liz backs herself all the way. Here she chats with our executive editor, Cara Byers, about self-belief, celebrating big moments and why there's no ceiling to what she can achieve. I just wanted to start by talking about your backstory a little bit. Um, you once said yeah. that when you were a kid, you played every sport under the sun and you were also a ballet dancer. Um, what was it that attracted you to sport at su- such a young age? I think, you know, it's probably the same thing that still draws me to it now. It's just, it was a challenge and it was outside and it was fun with my friends. And yeah, we kind of just like had it thrust upon us from an early age and I just loved it. So I played uh, basketball, hockey, netball, did dancing. I did all of it. Oh, wow. So what made you choose hurdles? So actually my little brother was doing little athletics um, probably when I was about 10 and I would go and watch him every Saturday morning and then we'd take me to dancing afterwards and then one year I was just like, I want to do this myself. I'm not going to just sit on the sidelines and eat super dupers. So yeah, I started one year and I kind of went through a range of different events. So I did like walks, I did high jump, I did long jump. And then um, once you get to a certain age, you can start hurdles. And I just had a knack for it, I think. And so how old were you then? I was in under 10. So I would have been around nine or 10. Oh, so you're a little little baby, really. (laughs) I was a little cute, tanned, blonde gal. (laughs) That sounds so cute. Um, So what is it that sport gives you? I was thinking about this and I think it, like, for one, it just gives you these, like, crazy goals that I just don't think other people can, you can't compare them. And they're goals that you can wake up every day and be determined to achieve. Like, 
every time you go to training, there's going to be progress. Every time you have a really good night's sleep, they, everything that you do um, translates to achieving those goals that you have in sport. And the other thing is I think it just gives me this outlet where I can be challenged every day. You know, you can always be bettering yourself no matter what it is. And I'm a perfectionist and I love, you know, ticking off goals. So it's kind of the perfect, the perfect thing for me. Um, so you have had a few setbacks in your career um, due to injury. What was that mm. like? Uh, I think looking back, you know, each injury that I had really taught me something. I probably didn't know that I was learning a lesson at the time. In the moment, it was really hard, you know, or I just felt like I was um, taking five or ten steps backwards every year that I gained because um, there was a period where I had kind of an injury a major injury every year but in the end it it just taught me to be like really patient and taught me resilience and kind of gave me this mentality that like everything will pass whether it's good or bad like everything's fixable everything's you know you can you'll always be able to get over an injury so although it sucked at the time yeah I've learned a lot from them so um for the uninitiated what were your injuries so I, my first major injury was in 2014 and I had a navicular stress fracture, which is this um, bone. It's like a really crucial bone in your foot. Um, and that kind of didn't heal properly for a while. So it plagued me for a few years. And then other than that, I just had um, like shin splints and stress reactions in lots of different bones. Maybe I needed to drink more milk. I'm not, I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Lots of lots of stress reactions and bone problems was what I had. Yeah. So, like, how do you come back from a bone problem? Because you know you hear about people tearing something or break or a break. That seems really yeah. straightforward, but I don't know how. Yeah. You- so that was the hard thing with all the injuries that I had through that early stage. All you could do was rest. So like from running, you couldn't do any like weight bearing. So I got really good at finding other outlets that I could train. So whether it was on the bike or in the gym or swimming and it kind of, yeah, I think those injuries just gave me this like workhorse mentality, but also, you know, made the times where I was able to train on the track so much, so much better. And I kind of, you know, cherished every moment that I was able to do that. Wow, it seems like it taught you so much. I just can't imagine learning patience. <laughs> but, <laughs> Honestly, guess- if you knew me, neither. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm the most impulsive, impatient person ever. But somehow I learned patience from these. And like, do you apply that in your everyday? Do you even realize that you do apply that, or is it after the the fact that you're like, oh, I was patient then. I think I think it is always after because whenever you're in the moment, you just want everything to be fixed right away and you want to be doing everything that you can to, you know, speed up the process, but really there's no way to do that. You just have to wait it out. So I read a really cool quote from you and it says, I knew what I was capable of. I didn't care who thought that I was actually capable. I just knew that I could do it. I just had such belief in myself. One, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then two, where does your self-belief come from? Like I've always had it. I've always had this firm belief that I can literally do anything and that's so not correct. I obviously can't do anything and everything. But um, from an early age, like even when I was 
a dancer, I just, I just always remember thinking there's no trick, there's no turn or jump that I couldn't do if I put my mind to it. I'd be able to do it just like that person. And I think I've just carried that through my whole life. You know, there's definitely been moments where my self-belief has gone, usually as a result of, you know, some other person telling me what they think or I'm not sure, but I've just always had it and whatever it is, it's just this unwavering it's always there. The way that I keep that up is just whenever I'm like being my true self and practicing, you know, loving who I am and my journey. I think the self-belief goes hand in hand with that. Yeah. Because like they say, you know, you just have to expect to be to absolutely suck at something before you can be mm. good at it. And like, does that sit well with you? That thought? No. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. earlier you did say I'm a perfectionist. And then I was like, so how do you do it? Do you just like just really stopping and just keep going and keep going and keep going until you've perfected it? Or I think you just got the, no the fear? What can, are you? The, the only thing that I can relate that to, right, is like in my later life I, I started surfing and not knowing what I've just told you, I thought that I could just go out there paddle onto a wave, stand up, ride it all the way in, no dramas. And let me tell you, it was so hard. But then for like a year, I just had this, I am going to be able to do it. And I went like two times a week and I was just like a workhorse. Because <laughs> I was like, there's no way that I'm not going to be able to do this. There's just no way. So, yeah, I'm not sure, but, you know, maybe a blessing, but maybe also a curse. <laughs> yeah, I never, ever want to play you at, like, a board game. <laughs> oh, no. I would never lose a game of Scrabble. Like, I would sit there until there is, like, absolutely no other way, no other place to put the letters. I will always win. <laughs> and I don't want to see you at Monopoly. <laughs> mm. The game that never ends. <laughs> so um you're an olympian that's like so impressive and blows my mind every time I think about what it takes to get to the olympics so you were recently in tokyo um so what did it take to qualify oh it you know it was like six or seven years of setbacks and self-belief really like it it's the whole journey you know people just see maybe the two or three years leading in but it's it's all the terrible training sessions it's all the you know time on the couch with an injury it's all of those things that kind of led to this you know amazing moment you know lots of changing of coaches and changing of programs and you know maybe I need to bring this person on oh no he didn't really fit right with our team so you can't even answer that question right it's just like there's so many elements to it yeah it's just like absolute dedication your life must have been all about that goal for such a long time so what did it mean to you when you did qualify I think Like it was this goal that had kind of been in the back of my head for a really long time, but I'd never actually voiced like I want to qualify for the Olympics or I'm going to go to Tokyo 2020 until kind of like a year before. Um, And, yeah, like when it happened, it was achieving this goal that seemed so far away, but in the moment it was just like no-brainer. Like of course I was going to qualify because I – 100% knew that it was going to happen. 
which comes back to the self-belief. So it's, it's hard to explain, but yeah. And I think once I'd done it, um, it was this confirmation of like that self-belief that I have is real and it works. And, um, with that, I think I also proved a lot of people wrong, um, and proved myself right. So yeah, that moment was like the cultivation of, you know, a lot of things. Yeah. Like what, who are these detractors? I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) What are they saying to you? Why? Like, I mean, I haven't had someone say something negative to me in a really long time now, but just, you know, it's just little things along the way. Like when I was quite young and um, just, it's not even people saying like, you won't be able to do this. It's, it's, I just, just get a vibe from them that they don't take me seriously or, you know, they don't put in as much effort for my training because oh, she's not, you know, worth the time and things like that. So um I've always kept those in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. And did you, you know, self-belief, sometimes that can be quite, um, that could spin people out that concept because they're like, what? Belief in myself? But you can also reframe it mm. as like faith in your own talents and ability. So I guess sometimes yes. as well, it can be a real motivator when somebody's like giving you those vibes of, mm, do you think you can really do it? And do you find that at all? Um, like in like lately, I no, definitely not because obviously people started to take me super seriously. And with that comes me taking myself seriously, you know, and it kind of just like keeps pumping up my tires, which is great. But yeah, I think for me, it's like, I can, I see a lot of people that, you know, they're where I was maybe like four or five years ago and they've got that self-belief somewhere in them, but it's just like, you, you need to get that out because if you can, like your performances are just going to be incredible. Um, so that's what frustrates me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's such an amazing mindset. And so did you celebrate qualifying? And, and if you did, what did you do? I actually did. It was, it was probably one of the best afternoons and nights of my life. So the meet was in Brisbane and it was my housemate's 30th birthday uh, party that night. And so, and she's also one of my best friends. So I was driving home from Brisbane myself and I had this party in the car. Like the music was all the way up. The windows were down. I was just <laughs> like, I was yelling. It was great. And then I got home, got changed, drove straight to the bar walked in and it was honestly like a movie like all my friends were at this bar everyone had known what was happening no one knew when I was turning up and I rocked up I walked in and everyone was just like yeah <laughs> people yes, were buying me drinks people were buying me drinks and there was a sick DJ and it was just like it was epic and then when I was walking in as well these two random people that I didn't know yelled out to me they were like Liz Clay's going to Tokyo (laughs) it was like honestly that that 12 hours was I can't top it it was amazing it was so fun I felt like a movie star yeah I don't know where I want to be first like do I want to be in the car or do I want to be at the party because they both sound amazing (laughs) yeah no it was good (laughs) So, like, not only did you qualify for Tokyo, but you hit a PB. Like, who does that? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
you hit a PB at the Tokyo Olympics of 12.71 seconds. Yeah. Just, and I just want to put this achievement into context for our listeners. Um, only five Australian women have ever run under 13 seconds. How does that feel? Yeah, it, it's pretty cool, but it's like once you, once you reach that 13-second barrier, for me it's just like, okay, the next barrier is 12.5 and I've got to get under that barrier. So I think like as soon as I reach some goal, there's just always a next one and it, the others kind of just get, you know, washed out to sea. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, looking back, it was a really cool achievement. So were you aiming to make a PB? Yeah. Every time you step on the track, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to run a personal best. And in that semifinal, I was in the best shape of my life. I was so excited. I had all the right emotions, the correct, you know, concoction of nerves and confidence um, and excitement. So, yeah, I, I knew that it was going to come. I know I could have run a little faster, but, yeah, it was my first major competition and I think I did pretty well for the circumstances. Yeah, I reckon your first major competition, (laughs) personal best, and you just happened to be at the Olympics. (laughs) Settle down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what was it like to be there? That's like, I think that must be, to people who aren't athletes, that must, it's the pinnacle, right? And what does it feel like when you stood on that track or when you've just completed a race and got a PB? What's What's the feeling? What's the atmosphere? Um, it's interesting because in the lead up to the event, you know, we're at our holding camp with all the team staff and all the athletes. By the time I got to Tokyo, it kind of just, it just felt like, it didn't feel like this big special thing. It just felt like this is the process of the year and this is the competition that we're at now. And this is the call room and you're going to sit here for 20 minutes. So it's not, it's not until you kind of look back and like go through the motions in your head of what happened and that you can, I guess, like come to terms with what a big deal it was. But at the same time, you know, I don't like to get too high on those feelings and those emotions of being there because there's going to be a whole, a whole group of lows that you have to get through too. So yeah, I kind of just try to stay level-headed about the whole thing. And so was there anything about being at the Olympics that surprised you? I think the thing that surprised me the most was when I stepped out onto the start line that I just had this overwhelming sense of like confidence that I was meant to be here, that this is, you know, my stage, I'm ready to perform. Um, Whereas I thought maybe when I stepped out there, I might feel the exact opposite and feel nervous and, you know, be like shitting my pants a little. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the emotions that I had when I stepped out onto the track, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I feel this way because now I'm going to be able to perform exactly how I want to. Yeah, wow, amazing. So did you come away from the Olympics with something that you'd learned, something key? I don't know. I mean, I, I learned a lot about uh, like being at a major competition and, you know, athletic-specific things like what the warm-up track's like and 
how to best manage a warm up with a, a thousand different athletes all doing different things. So in that regard, yes, I learned a lot, but I think um, most of the learning came from the lead up, like the training before the Olympics and the camp. And once you got there, you were just on autopilot and um, it was just like any other competition, except it was the Olympic games and not a except, local meet in Brisbane. Yeah. Except for it is the competition, the entire yeah Um, so last year 2021 was a massive year for you you had an undefeated domestic season you're a national champion an olympic semi-finalist and top 10 you signed with puma and you became the second fastest australian hurdler of all time how do you top that (laughs) um I don't know, but I will find a way. Um, yes. There's lots of things. <laughs> there's lots of things in there that, you know, like signing with Puma, obviously it's a two or three year deal. So nothing's going to top that. That was a big goal of mine and I ticked it off. But I think there's, there's so much that went wrong last year that I can fix to make 2022 better. Um, I can have a really successful European campaign um, in the lead up to Commonwealth Games. Um, I can win a medal somewhere. I've got three opportunities to win a major medal this year and obviously run faster. So, uh, yeah, there's there's heaps of ways I can top it. And I think, again, it just comes back to that not getting too excited and high on the, on those achievements. So, you know, if I was to have a bit of a down year or I didn't tick as many boxes this year. It's not like, it's not like a failure. It's just like, well, that was that year and you move on. So. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever use the word failure in connection with anything that you've done. And then, you know, the the rest of us can just get high off your achievements and then you wait for your <laughs> moment to do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just mentioned the Commonwealth games. That's like a few months away. It's happening in July, right? Um, have you set a goal for that comp? I have set a goal. It is to be standing on top of the podium in the end of uh, middle of August or whenever the hundred hurdle final is. So yeah, that's the goal. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna settle for anything less than that. Nice one. Best of luck. I hope it really, I really hope it happens for you. Um, Thank you. So I'm sure you've drawn a lot of comparisons with Sally Pearson before. How do you feel about that? Well, she was an incredible athlete and is an incredible athlete. Um, so, you know, for me to be compared to her and draw those comparisons and be spoken about, I guess, in the same breath as her, I'm honoured because, you know, she's run 12-26 and uh, is the Australian record holder and, Olympic gold medalist and world champion. So, but then I also think that, you know, Sally and I have had really different paths. Um, She was kind of this child prodigy who is an amazing sprinter even before she was a hurdler. Um, Whereas I'm, I'm not a child prodigy and I kind of started only taking it seriously when I was about 18 and I'm not a natural born sprinter. So yeah, although it's great to have these comparisons. I think we've taken super different paths and I'm, you know, trying to pave my own path in that sense. Nice. 
So just like Sally, you train under Sharon Hannan. Uh, she guided Sally to Olympic gold in 2012. What difference has yeah. Sharon made to your performance? Every difference. She is pretty much the reason why I've achieved what I have. She just has this amazing, calm demeanor, which I think goes hand in hand with my like, like functioning really highly, like crazy demeanor. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we, we kind of like, she mentors me and we go hand in hand. Um, we work really well together and she's just got so much knowledge about programming and um, obviously hurdles and um, everything track and field. And she's so passionate about it. So yeah, I learn a lot from her. I think she learns a lot from me too. So yeah, I think the main the main difference that she's made to my performance is yeah, just teaching me about the sport and teaching me what it means to be an athlete. It sounds like a great partnership. Yeah, it's awesome. So just coming back to yeah, your self-belief, how do you cultivate it? I mean, as I said, it's something that's been instilled in me from a young age and I don't know where that's come from. Maybe my parents, I'm not sure. But recently I, I think I've discovered that to be able to cultivate self-belief, you have to be really content with who you are and what you're doing and your path and have ways to express that as well. So um, for me, it's like going to training and um, having banter with my coaches and like having a great time and having a great session. And then also getting tattoos, like that's a way that I can express myself and, um, you know, feel like true Liz Clay. And so I feel like when you have those things, then self-belief just goes hand in hand. So how many tattoos have you got? <laughs> if you ask my mom, she'll say way too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know at this point. I actually just went a couple of days ago. Um, quite a few yeah so what's your process with that do you like look for something or do you do something original or does it just come to you uh it's always different um when when I lived with my uh my old housemate Holly we would we would have these nights where we would like find like all these ideas that we wanted to get for tattoos and we would like draw them on each other and see what they look like and like pick like body placements and stuff um and you know that was just like a really fun activity that we did and then yeah I think um 2021 was kind of this year for me where I just started you know finding myself again after a really tough 2020 and yeah tattoos were just something that I found that I loved and that was yeah helped me to express myself and you know I feel like they go hand in hand with my personality and yeah they're, they're something that I've that's really I guess contributed to my self-belief <laughs> yeah that's really cool I guess that would be something that people don't really know about you too unless they know you personally well yeah I think people know that I have tattoos but yeah they, <laughs> yeah, they can know see them <laughs> they would the reason why yeah <laughs> oh yeah cool why is it, would you say, that motivates you to, I mean, you've said you're a workhorse. You've said you're a perfectionist. What is the secret here that keeps you motivated, keeps you setting goals and keeps you exceeding your own expectations? Oh, I, I don't know that it's a secret, but for me, there's just 
there's just like no ceiling. Like, and I think that's actually what I learned from Tokyo. It's like, you know, one year I was like running 13-3 and not like just scraping into the national final. And then a couple of years later, I'm on the start line in the semifinal in the best shape of my life. So if I can do that in that short amount of time, there's just no ceiling to what I can achieve next. And I think I really want to, you know, get to the end of my career and say I achieved absolutely everything I could in that time period. I didn't leave any stone unturned because that's just my personality. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, there is a bit of a, um, a time limit on my career. I can't run forever, which I don't know if I've come to terms with that yet. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm just, you know, making the most of every session, every day, every competition, every season to make sure that when I do have to finish that I look back and think, well, I, I couldn't have done any more. Okay, so let's ask you some life questions. If you sure. could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I think I would tell myself to be patient because, you know, obviously I was patient in some respects, but, um, yeah, be patient and stay the course. You know, when you're young, it just feels like it feels like the world is ending if something doesn't happen. And um, although I got through all those times, if I knew that being patient and just staying the course was going to lead to what it has, then it would have made those moments a lot easier. Um, where do you feel happiest and like yourself? I think at the moment when I'm happiest is when I'm at training in the sun I've got teammates around me. I'm with my coaches. Maybe I just got a new tattoo and I'm in good shape and I'm enjoying the session. That for me at the moment is, yeah, where I feel the happiest and I feel like myself, you know, I express myself in, you know, running and like I can chat to everybody. It's just, yeah, I think, you know, I've got to be mindful that eventually that will change because I can't run forever. But, yeah, for right now that's – that's where I'm happiest. All we've got is now. So I think you're all right. Exactly right. <laughs> if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Well, speaking about right now, if I could go anywhere right now, I would go to California because for one, I absolutely love America. I've always loved it. I've been there a handful of times. They're some of the best holidays that I've had. Um, one of my best friends lives in LA. I just, I just love everything about it. I love the culture. I love the way that people can express themselves. I love that there's so many different, you know, walks of life in California. I just, yeah, if I could go anywhere, I'd get on a plane and go there. Nice. What did you learn about yourself this past year? I think I learned that as much as I want to believe I am superwoman, I am not superwoman. <laughs> What's something you wish more people knew about you? I think I wish people knew that I, you know, I'm super approachable. I'm very relaxed and I love to connect with people. I think often, you know, I put out this hard exterior, which goes hand in hand with track and field, right? 
you know, when you step onto the track, you've got to, I'm the boss, you know, like I'm running the show. But yeah, I, I wish that more people knew that I'm super relaxed and love to chat. And although, yeah, I'm an Olympian and all these other things, I'm down to earth. I love to joke around. Yeah, I think that's what I would like people to know. Nice. What's one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 2022? I am excited about traveling for one. And I mean, there's, there's so much to be excited about. We've got uh, world indoors in two months, then world championships in July and Commonwealth games in early August. So I think I'm just excited about seeing what I can do this year among those things. I'm going to guess a lot. You can do a lot this year. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. I'm working hard. (laughs) Um, Okay. Now we've got some quick fire questions, Um, like nothing too gnarly. So don't worry about that. So it's just like answer as quickly as you can. Okay. Yeah. So texting or talking? Talking. Last song you downloaded? Uh, The Weeknd's new album. Oh, yeah, it's amazing, right? Loving it. Very good. Vegemite or jam? Jam. Which flavour? Strawberry. Oh, yeah, the OG. Favourite day (laughs) of the week? Tuesday. Oh, that's a new one. Mm. Favourite place in Australia besides where you live? Uh, Wherever my family is. Oh, that's cute. Best piece of (laughs) advice you ever received? This is so cliche, but if you can dream it, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine, man. That's cool. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Ask permission or beg forgiveness? Beg forgiveness. Nice. What kind of summer are you having? Hot vax or strong girl? Strong girl. True or false, the reward for hard work is more hard work. It's true. True or false, 21 was the warm-up, 22 is the show. Very true. Do you ever post inspirational quotes on social media? (sighs) Yes. I wish the answer was no, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of the quick fire questions round. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun to chat to you, actually. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I love, as I said, love connecting with people, love chatting. It's been good. After listening to that chat, I just want to channel some of that Liz Clay energy. I wish I had just a smidgen of that kind of self-belief. This episode was hosted by Cara Byers and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen. If you'd love more from us, pick up a copy of the latest issue of Women's Health Australia with Jess Fox on the cover or visit us at womenshealth.com.au. Until next time.